Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the greatest games on the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller, with me is Jonathan Wilson and with us today is Dave Farah, commentator and football writer. Dave, pleasure to have you on the pod. Pleasure to be here, Marcus. Today we go back to 1999 for the Euro 2000 playoff first leg that finished Slovenia 2, Ukraine 1. Dave, why have you chosen this game? Well, um, the minute that... I think if Jonathan Wilson wasn't involved, (laughs) I might have gone for another game. I mean, some would say it's the game that's defined to me as a commentator, despite the fact it was 1999. And, you you know, you'd like to think you've done stuff since, but but hey, who knows? It's nice to be defined by anything. But Jonathan can probably explain a bit better than me the the context of this, but I'll try anyway. So (laughs) it was, there are many reasons why I chose it. It was an extraordinary experience. Um, it was my first live on-site game for Eurosport when I joined there, having gone there from the BBC. And it was a, <laughs> a terrifying experience technically and, and, and for many other reasons that we could go into if anyone's interested. Um, there was lots of oddness around the game. And of course, um, for those who don't know, um, Milenko Achimovic scored uh, right in front of me. It feels like I can still reach out and touch it. An extraordinary goal um, from the halfway line. And um, I came out with, I hasten to add, a spontaneous... Well, I guess it had to be a spontaneous commentary line because I wouldn't have known it was going to happen. Commentary um, lines tended to be a bit more spontaneous back in the 90s, according to Barry Davis, certainly, anyway. But right. if you actually, if you prepared a line for somebody scoring from a halfway line, <laughs> well, I, was say, I would suggest you're doing too much. Yeah. I've never yeah. prepared a commentary line in my life, and that's, no. and that's honour. But, um, but yeah, so Milenko Ajimbic scored from the halfway line, and I screamed, yelled, David Beckham, where are you now? And <laughs> I don't even think it's that good a line. I think the mention of David Beckham is what is what makes what then happened happen because you know you put attach his name to anything and it works. But I think it's uh, probably before we go on about the game, Jonathan can explain the conversation we then had. Was it like a I don't know? You were researching your book, weren't you? Behind the curtain, you were in Slovenia in a bar. So, I think. Yeah, so I was um, I was in the bar in Skopje Locker. Uh, which is a little way, you could, little you could have just made that up <laughs> yeah. of a bar called Veloshki I, I believe it's still there yeah. um, so this would have been I think probably 2005 it might have been 2004 was it that late was it wow yeah because okay. uh, Behind the Curtain came out in in 06 so it must have been either late 04 or early 05 wow wow and I was with a mate of mine called Alish um, who now is a very senior diplomat for the Slovenian government, which is totally improbable if you knew him then. Um, <laughs> but he he was, and the reason I got in touch with him, he he'd worked worked for worked with us at One Football, um, which was you know the, around the turn of the millennium was one of the very early global websites. But he was also um, a very uh, lucid voice in the campaign of Olympia fans to do with their takeover and he was you know he, he was he was the man who was asking the right questions in in all those meetings around in that chaos and he he, he enjoyed a drink i think it's fair to say and so i, I was i was talking to him I, I interviewing him and he had all these videos of the 2002 world cup and all the fallout which sort of ends slovenia's golden era of which this game is probably the beginning um and we, we go to this bar near near his house and there's there's a load of his mates there. And in the bar, they, they put on a video of this game. And when it comes to Achimovic's goal, they all in unison 
you give the commentary, David Beckham, where are you now? <laughs> Which I went, can you play that again? Let me rewind. I went, that's, that's Dave. And then did I try to ring you from the bar? I can't quite, the yeah, details after you, that. I missed your call. And then I think, did we have email then? Yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've known each other that long. Um, but it was, like, <laughs> yeah, it was the 2000s. But yeah, you emailed me and said, did you do this commentary that, that had the line, David Beckham, where are you now? And I said, why? Are yes, I did. <laughs> and the, the line I always remember is you said something like, um, I didn't have to pay for a drink that night because I knew you. Yeah, that's completely <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, that's amazing. You went to this bar, too, which that's obviously stuck off my imagination. But um, but yeah, it was incredible, really. But something, and it was, you're right, actually, Jonathan, it was that long after because that heightened the sort of shock, if you like, because when you've come out with a line, you know, a year ago or a month ago, but this was, yeah, five or six years ago. And, and uh, it made it all the, all the odder that it was sort of, yeah, and I did some Googling and, you know, spoke to a couple of people and they said, oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's not quite there. They think it's all over. That's what people have said. I mean, that's probably pushing it a bit. But it's um, it's still pretty well known, isn't it? Yeah, so there's, there's, that, that generation known. of fans, that is, yeah, because that, that goal, A, it's the goal that suddenly puts them ahead in this qualification playoff. Yeah. And you've got to bear in mind, Slovenian football has been rubbish. Throughout the whole of history, Slovenian football has been rubbish until this qualifying campaign. So qualifying for the 98 World Cup, they took one point from eight games. Nobody expected anything. And suddenly there they are in a playoff. And there they are, seven minutes from time, scoring this ludicrous goal. You have a kind of goal you'll always remember, whatever the context, but especially in that context. So the line of commentary, yeah, and because it's a memorable line, it, it, it's, it, it sort of is, I don't want to say it's a catchphrase of a generation, but it's definitely sort of a, a catchphrase of, a small section of a generation who are obsessed by football yeah. and watch yeah. that game on Eurosport. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then it's been rewatched, hasn't it? And it's become a sort of thing as a result of that. I suspect if it had been, they think it's all over. I've had a few calls from Slovenian TV over the years <laughs> <laughs> I can confirm I haven't. So I think be... you want to get your agent onto that. I, I, I think was they... going to say. I was going to say. <laughs> um, but no. So yeah, it was. Um, it was an extraordinary thing to have, and, and actually, as any commentator will tell you, you know, we're rarely happy with what we've done. I thought it was a bit naff at the time because it was, <laughs> commentators will tell you, I mean, I promise you, I've never written a line. I, I, I think of lines during games and then we'll use them. So you have this madness as a commentator, almost you're sometimes thinking about one thing while talking about another. That happens a lot. People with this almost sort of duality of, 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 of sort of purpose throughout the game. So for example, in Euro 2004, when France lost to Greece, when they were losing, I was thinking, Oh, Napoleon Bonaparte's quite good. Um, <laughs> while sort of, so you have this odd thought process going, you know, Zidane, here's Perez or whatever. And then you're thinking, oh, Napoleon Bonaparte, Napoleon Bonaparte. You know, that was probably with 15 minutes to go. And so sure enough, the final whistle went, I didn't write it down, but I had it in my head. But of course that line, as Jonathan said, the goals blink of an eye. So I thought, you know, afterwards I thought, oh, David, I think he'd scored three years earlier. I think it was 96. First thing that came into your head, not very finessed. You like to finesse things when you're a commentator. You know, you like to even even though it's unlike a writer, you know, who can finesse sometimes. I mean, you know, over days with a, with a commentary, you've always got to finesse it in seconds. And I, I thought to myself, mm, it, yeah, it's a bit obvious, isn't it, David Beckham? Where are you now? But hey ho, you know, sometimes the obvious lines the best, aren't they? You well, know? exactly. I think I think you're maybe being a touch harsh on yourself because I think people might forget as well that you mentioned that Beckham. It was only you know two or three years, whatever it was 
when he scored that goal from the halfway line. But it was an outrageous goal Beckham scored. And also Beckham, his Manchester United side, they just won the treble. Um, and and he was, of course, you know, at France 98, made headlines for right and wrong reasons. So he was very much uh, a superstar. I mean, still is, you know, but obviously very much a superstar of, of, of the time. And so for little Slovenia to have one of their moments almost like attached on to this oh, megastar yeah. at the time, I, th- I actually think that it... it I thought it was a great line myself, you know, when I... And also, I it, it is it is a very... It's a similar goal, not just in that it's a shot from the halfway line, but the fact it's to the right of a centre circle. I mean, Beckham's yeah. slightly further back. Uh, it's hit with the right foot, so the arc is away from the keeper. Mm-hmm. Beckham hits it better, to be fair, because it you know doesn't bounce first. Also, Beckham, had, Beckham had time, though. Goal, which helps the Jimovic, but yeah. Yeah, I, th- I thought you were going to be critical, Jonathan, and say it wasn't quite enough in the corner for you. Uh, but still, uh, it was... Uh, it, but it, 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 yeah, it it's, it's the, the context people. of a game. Yeah, Beckham's was in a game that was already won. Yeah. This was this made it 2-1. And yeah, it was a crucial goal in, in getting Slovenia's their first ever major tournament. Well, you could argue the, the most, or certainly one of the most important goals in the country's history. But of course, the country hadn't... Had much footballing history. I mean, in the, 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 they were the first republic to split from Yugoslavia in 1991. Jonathan, their first international match as an independence state was in 1992. A one-all draw, of course, with um, Estonia. Um, so, I mean, how important, Jonathan, was football in defining Slovenia as a nation? Because you think of the other Balkan states around there. We think of Croatia and Serbia. Um, and even, even nowadays, of course, Bosnia-Herzegovina, you know, some great players from these places. Slovenia, you don't really think of them that No, much, I mean, there, there was only seven Slovenians ever played for Yugoslavia. Mm. Um, so the first, first Slovenian to play in the World Cup was Brane Oblak, who is a, <laughs> is a great interview. It's probably the politest way of putting it. <laughs> um, he, he, he likes talking about himself a lot, that man. Yeah. Um, but well, even that's what he, you're interviewing him for, yeah, well, yeah. presumably. He's and, giving you, know, you what he, you want. He, he scored against Ayo in that World Cup. He hit the bar against Brazil from, he would tell you, 20 yards. In truth, about 15 yards, but still. Um, but even he admits that he probably only played in that World Cup because at the time there was a sense that every republic had to be represented. And so he got the, you know, the Slovenian ticket. Um, now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. I mean, um, Sveska Katanec, the, the Slovenia coach who played for Yugoslavia at the 1990 World Cup. And if you remember the, the, the podcast we did with Sasha Ibrul about Yugoslavia's draw, the 0-0 draw in the quarterfinal against Argentina when they then lost some penalties, Katanec was withdrawn from that game because his parents had been threatened. So, yeah, he was very... Uh, tied into the politics of, of certainly late period Yugoslavia. And he, he was very sceptical of the idea that there had ever been a quota, but, but Oblak seemed to believe that, that there had been. So, yeah, Slovenians, I think, had been slightly dismissive of football. They sort of saw it as being a thing that the, the Southern Republics did. I mean, you know, the phrase they use is it's a sport for Bosnians, which has a slightly xenophobic, slightly racist uh, undertone. Um, and, you know, they also talk about Bosnians doing sort of a manual labour on building sites and things. There's a sort of sense of looking down on the on the on the more southern republics. Um and yeah, you know, skiing was a Slovenian sport. We didn't really care about football. And then suddenly from nowhere, Katarnets and Zakovic turns them into into this team who can qualify for major tournaments. Yeah. I mean how how did you find it, uh, Dave, you know, 
commentating on that game with with Slovenia. You know, what 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 was it like there? Was it uh, had it captured the public's imagination by this point? Oh God, it was madness. I mean, <laughs> I, the memories I have from that night, I um, I was with Russell Osman, who, if you watch the commentary on YouTube, it is there. Um, you hear blimey at the start yeah. of the balls in the air. Yeah, blimey, it's sort of Derby. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about that because yeah. I thought to myself, that can't be a local commentator. Well, you know, reason, he's yeah, caught yeah. on a hot mic or something. <laughs> the reason that happened is I was looking at my notes um, mm. and we were having technical problems. As I said, uh, you know, I was going to say <laughs> back in the day at Eurosport, there were technical problems. There still are, I think. I don't work there anymore. But, um, but you know, we, we had big problems on site. But yeah, I was looking at my notes or pulling a cable. I think it was my notes. I won't blame someone else. I'll blame myself. And he touched me on the arm when I, when Achimovic hit it. And, and he said, blimey, to fill the gap for me to look. I didn't see him. I saw it having left his foot, not not on his foot, as it were. So you, if you watch it, I'm a little bit late. He says, blimey, and then I'm a bit late, and, and that's why. So, yeah, I was with Russell, who's a, a pal, you know, and, and um, we hadn't worked together much then, but, 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 but we have now over the years. That was our first ever game together. <laughs> and honestly, Marcus, it was madness. I mean, I could, there were, I remember there'd been stories, another Eurosport commentator had gone to a game in Eastern Europe, can't remember which, and they, they told me they were laughing and said they were selling cakes at the ground, like sort of homemade cakes and how oh, brilliant man. it was and how, you know, just fantastically odd. And I was thinking, I hope there'll be cakes, at, you know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there were, but then we walked to another store and they were selling like half bottles of vodka in brown paper bags outside. And there were people <laughs> walking around. I always remember this. We were in our, our commentary position and Russell sort of tapping me on the arm before the game, pointing and there's a <laughs> fellow there with a the brown paper bag and having a swig. And they, people were getting properly ready for the night there was i wouldn't say there wasn't a sober person there but it was um just an astonishing atmosphere and the other thing that made it uh, many many things extraordinary um the, the, that was the old stadium in Ljubljana, the bezigrad um i'm probably getting the pronunciation wrong jonathan will correct me but and that had been built for religious purposes it was built by a very famous slovenian architect um who designed quite a lot of vienna i think um as well and um and, and there was an altar, basically, at one end of it. And if you watch watch the highlights, which are with French commentary on YouTube, if you watch about the fourth replay of the Shevchenko goal, you'll see it. There's a beautiful shot of, of this altar at the other end of the ground. So it was an odd place to commentate. You know, there was everyone's pissed. There's people <laughs> caning in vodka. And there was a cake stall as well. There's a general sense of bedlam, which I love. I mean, you know, give me that any day over over sort of you know corporate coldness it was just great it was properly old school and um and well, a quiz all- question for you dave who was the groundsman oh and, and <laughs> that's such a jonathan question <laughs> it is, it? i was trying to th- i was trying to think what's jonathan going to come up to make himself jonathan i wasn't expecting who was the groundsman um who was the groundsman it, you, you can't have just asked me for his name there must be a link was he was he the grandson of the architect he was a chimovich's dad Oh wow! Okay, there that, you go. That's good. What's yeah. his first name? Mister. Mister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, incredible. So anyway, that was the, that was that is that's a brilliant brilliant stat. But it was it was just an extraordinary night. And the other thing I remember, um, Eurosport used to send. I mean, we used to all commentate on the same stuff in a studio together. There was Dutch commentators, German commentators, French commentators, and us. And so we'd often be in a studio in Paris and you'd be in booths next to each other, commentating on the same game in different languages. For example, the um, the second leg 
uh, when Pavlin scored that the, the put Slovenia through. We did that from Paris with all sitting next to each other. But but that day we were all on site. And Jorian van Vessen, the wonderful um, Dutch commentator, just a, just a, I mean, Jonathan and him have a conversation with him for 24 hours. I mean, that he is the Dutch Jonathan, just an extraordinary range of knowledge and, and, and incredible. He, he would have known about Jimovic. But Jorian, <laughs> the huge Sampdoria fan. And um, so yeah. of course he's on the pitch with Katanec before the game. And, and I had a call in my headphones. There was myself, the German guy, and an empty set of, of, of headphones and a microphone. And I heard a producer say, where's Jurian? Where's the Dutch guy? And I look out on the pitch and he's there with Dreko Katanec and he's about to go on air. And just, you know, just again, adding to the general sense of, of you know, those special nights, you know. Oh, you know, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know it's going to be special, don't you, when, um, when stuff like that's going on all around you, you know. Ah, oh, glorious nonsense it sounds like. Exactly. David. It, it exactly. makes makes us wish we were there. All right, everybody, let's have a quick break and then we will talk about the match itself back in a moment. Welcome back to the greatest games on the blizzard, everybody. So yes, um, yeah, that that uh, chilly night in uh, in Slovenia. You've mentioned Shreko Katanic uh, or Katanic, sorry, um, a number of times. Obviously, the manager of um, Slovenia, uh, good player in his day, Jonathan. Uh, mm. Played for Yugoslavia, thirty um, odd caps, a handful of caps for Slovenia too. Was a part of the Sampdoria side. You mentioned Sampdoria there um, towards the end of the first half. A part of the Sampdoria side that won the club's only Serie A title. Um, came along, as you say, when they, they, they failed quite miserably for France 98. So he made a huge impression on this uh, Slovenian national team. Yeah, I mean, he'd been very popular as a player in Slovenia because, I mean, his parents were both Croatian, but he was seen as sort of embodying Slovenian virtues of being a little bit dull, being very hardworking, you know, getting the job done, nothing too fancy. And, and he was seen very much, I mean, it's a little bit, to sell him short, but he was a you know he was an industrious, neat midfielder rather than somebody who was going to do dramatic things. Uh, and yeah, he he worked incredibly hard. Was fundamentally how it worked. Uh, but he also had the benefit of Zako Zakovic, who was kind of the opposite. Was this you know, dilettante, very creative, and and this is is you know the the tension between them was evident when you when you look back was evident all the way through, and was probably what what led to the. The overperformance of the team, that tension sort of inspired both. Um, Katanets was very much associated with Ljubljana, Zakovic with Styria, and that's sort of a big, div- I mean, can you have a big divide in a country of 2.1 million people? Perhaps not. But that is the split between Ljubljanians and, and Styrians. And, and so they embody the, the, the two sides of that. The Styrians, people from, from Maribor, were always sceptical of the Slovenian national team at this time because they felt Katanets was very. Lublianan, Lublianchen. And also the fact that the national team wore green, which are the colours of Olympia, rather than purple, which are the colours of Maribor, was seen as significant. Which is why Slovenia now wear like white and a turquoisey colour, is to get away from that association. But obviously at, at this point, nobody's noticed this. Um, and everybody's just on this massive high. So it's the third last game in qualifying. Uh, Slovenia beats uh, Georgia 3-1. And that guarantees that they're going to be in a playoff. Uh, Norway top the group. They finish second, so they get the playoff, and they're they're, they're drawn against Ukraine and a very good Ukraine with Shevchenko yes. and, and and Rebrov up front. Yeah, well, Shevchenko was had gone to AC Milan in the summer of '99, but a lot of the players were from that very good Dynamo Kiev side who impressed in the '98 '99 Champions League when they reached the semi final 
losing 4 through an aggregate to Bayern. They were 3-1 up at one point in that time. Perhaps will have been aggrieved not to have, have made the final. But yeah, the, the front two of Shevchenko and Rebrov people. Perhaps. Had uh, Vladislav Vashchuk at centre-back, who yeah, absolutely. Uh, famously captained the Ukrainian media against the British media on the day of the Champions League final in 2019. Uh, how many did you get that day, Jonathan? I was very much uh, leading my team from the bench. Yeah, okay. <laughs> seven tactics two defeat, man. I think. Always the tactics man. But with with um, Zlatko Zajovic, Slovenia's top scorer in their history, one of their most recognisable names, of course. He was playing sort of Porto and then Olympiacos in '99. I'd go on to play for Valencia and Benfica. What do you remember from him as a player, uh, Dave? And was was he the man that all the fans loved out there? Because as Jonathan says, there was a lot of tension within the team. But what was the public perception of him? Well, yeah, the, the weird thing about Zajovic is that when you worked on Eurosport, I mean, I'd only just gone there, but we did um, quite a lot of uh, build up to those playoffs in terms of uh, showing highlights of all the qualifiers because they had the rights for all of those. So we knew, you know, having commentated, having, you know, pretended to commentate live on him, if you like, on these retrospectives, how, you know, he's got eight goals in qualifying and an exceptional talent. And and just, you know, he, he played like a, Southern European Zavich, you know, just a glorious, um, I'm not, not suggesting the players from Slovenia aren't talented, but there was something about him that he, he came across as that sort of dashing yeah. Spanish playmaker, Italian, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and, and it was no surprise. I mean, didn't Mourinho say of him, he, he achieved the impossible, he, the Porto and Benfica fans both love him. So some, some comment <laughs> like that. And, and that didn't, that doesn't surprise you the way he played. So I was aware of him and really looking forward to seeing him play. Um, and isn't it, it's ironic, isn't it, that Achimovic is the name that's come out of that game for me. And actually, <laughs> onto the Euro itself, Zavic was the star there as well. I, I know we're going we're gonna to go on to that. I would like to say something else um, from a personal point of view. You've already mentioned that Dynamo Kiev side. Mm. I was in love with that team. And oh, they're a great I, side. I still maintain, and I know I'm going to get shot down for this, I've said it before, but that's the best team not to win the Champions League in terms of an individual team in that individual year. They were the best team in the Champions League that year. They were outstanding and they messed up in yeah. that real draw that you mentioned against Bayern. They mm. watched that game, everybody. Yeah. Murdered. Yeah. It was one of the great, the first half of that game, one of the great displays. They should have been, I know we all say this, though, it should have been five, whatever, but they could have been six, seven up. They murdered. They were brilliant. And that was a really good Bayern side. And I was just in love with that team. And, I remember watching in horror in slow motion as they fell apart. Effenberg, to be fair, magnificent character that day. I mean, he just just out, they just out-charactered them. They were just so strong mentally by and Kiev didn't have it. And I know you can argue that's part of it and blah, 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 blah. But just in terms of ability, what a team. And seven of that team, the reason I mention it, were in that Ukrainian side that night in the starting eleven. And not just Rebrov and Sheva, but Kozovsky, brilliant down that left-hand side. And, you know... I was looking forward so much to seeing them. Uh, that was the irony. It's, it's Slovenia I take from the game. I thought Ukraine would win it easily. But it's the first time I'd seen Rebrov and Shevchenko in the flesh. And, and the, you know, they didn't disappoint, really. It was great to see them play. But I just wanted to... It, it, it's worth remembering the timeline of that. that Because uh, I'd almost forgotten it. That, that seven of that, in my opinion, best team in an individual year not to win the Champions League were then playing and then failed. You know, again, yeah. they did it again, except they didn't do it against um, Bayern Munich. They did it against Slovenia. They, yeah. they found a way to lose, you know? Yeah. No, but you're right to highlight that because, I, and I would actually agree with you that they were one of the best sides 
not to win the Champions League. Should have should have been at, at least in the final against Manchester United. But also and, and well. coached by Josef Schabo, who was yeah absolutely yes. died in the wool Lobanovsky fan. Totally. Um, I mean, if we're doing personal reminiscences, uh, I interviewed him and. He was, very, he was a very good interview talking about... I mean, this is after Lobanovsky's death, and he was talking about the problems at Dynamo Kiev, how they had to evolve from Lobanovsky's method, but they didn't have a means of doing that because Lobanovsky did all the evolving. So if he was, you know, if he was asking, what would Lobanovsky do? But the answer to that question, only Lobanovsky could answer. And, and so they ended up just doing the same things they've been doing over and over again, and football was changing. Uh, so he was very, very good on that. But then at the end of the interview, he, he said, whereabouts in England are you from? I said, Sunderland. He went, oh, I, I stayed there in the Polytechnic in the 1966 World Cup. Wow. And oh, he, he'd, he'd played at Roker Park. He, was, he played in the quarterfinal against Hungary, uh, where, whereas my dad would have told you the, the, the ball burst. Literally the only thing you can remember from that game. But Jarbo clears the ball off the line in the final minute, uh, which is a brilliant clearance, which is how the Soviets get through to, to each of the semis. Yeah, well, there you are. But it's it, but it is interesting, you know, looking at it from the Ukrainian angle as well from this because, you know, they they themselves as a nation came about um, officially, you know, uh, breaking away from the Soviet Union at a similar time to what Slovenia did. Uh, perhaps the world woke up or Europe woke up to Ukrainian football uh, because of that Dynamo Kiev site in the Champions League. Yeah, but I think that's a perception thing, isn't it? Because they've obviously been really good when they won the Cup, Cup Winners' Cup in, in what, mm-hmm. 86 and, and, and in 75. So, I mean, that's that's the astonishing thing about Lobanovsky. But Ukraine on their had, own, though, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, Ukraine, yeah that's why I mean, it's a perception yeah. thing. Ukrainian football has always been there. It's just we called yeah. it Soviet football. Sure. And we didn't didn't really understand the nuances of the difference between Ukrainian and mm. Russian and Soviet. But yeah, the, the, the extraordinary thing about Lobanovsky is he had those three great teams. And, uh, yeah, it, yeah, Dave's absolutely right about it. Not just the quality of that 99 team. But it's 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 just. I mean, obviously, the final we got was one of the greatest of all finals, and one of the you know the, the games we'll always remember. And you don't want to lose that. But at the same time, it would have been nice if Lobanovsky had at, mm. at, at, right at the last if he had won his European Cup. Yeah, I, and yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's odd to think though. Um, it, with this match, that Slovenia are the ones who who win the game and qualify for Euro 2000, whereas Ukraine, as you say, had history not as an independent nation, but when they become an independent nation, they wouldn't qualify for a major tournament until the World Cup in 2006. Yeah, which I mean, is they got slightly, well, they got slightly screwed because um, Russia took the coefficient, so they were always two or three pots below where they should have been. So, and also people like Kanchelskis, who were Ukrainian, opted to play for Russia. So yeah. early 90s, they kind of got messed about by that. So this is sort of the first generation of Ukraine where the, the best players are actually playing for Ukraine and not not playing for, for Russia. But what, Dave, what was the expectation like in Slovenia? Because we say they're, they're playing against, on paper, a, a better side who have got pedigree. Were they quite hopeful? I mean, obviously, they're on the piss and having cake. They're having a good time. But did they think their team could do it? I, I got the sense that it was one of those raw them home nights that, that right. we, 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 we'll, it was such a massive humanity. I mean, again, going back to the commentary, sorry to keep going. It's the only reason I've chosen the game, so we might as well. <laughs> um, but, but Russell says, if you listen, he says, um, and the crowd are like blowing it in, aren't they? That's his, <laughs> that's his great, a great line, by the way. And it was like that. That was a, an honest reflection. And, and, and that ball was in the air for so... I remember it was late in the game. Shevchenko scored a brilliant goal to give Ukraine the lead. But it was late in the game. And he's right. It was a really apt description. You know, that if you watch it, the ball felt like it hung in the air forever. And, and that was the sense of it. So 
I don't, I mean, listen, I, I wasn't there long enough. I wasn't in Ljubljana for a week before the game. I got the sense that this was a sort of up and atom team with one exceptional player, one exceptional player, and probably one player who'd have got in the opposition team. I'm not sure, if you look at the two teams, I'm not sure how many of the other Slovenians would have got in that Ukraine team. So let's have a go. We'll have more than have a go because we'll be, we'll be artful because we've got Zavich. So, we, you know, we, he knows what he's doing. We'll be we'll we'll try and create chances for him and see what happens. And, and if the crowd can get behind us, we might nick a win in a weird way. The more extraordinary performance is the second leg. Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, true. It, but I mean, it, I think in terms of the fans that night, don't forget they'd never had not in club level, not at national mm, level. They yeah. never had a night remotely close to that. Yeah, no. that point. was the biggest game in that country's history by a million miles. Mm. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. And so they were entitled to to be in that mood and be on the cake and the ale and the vodka. <laughs> God knows what you're after. Right? Yeah, when you put it in that context, yeah. Yeah, I mean the the, the game itself. I mean, it, it's hard to find uh, some comprehensive highlights, but there is a bit. But do, do you remember, Dave, how, how the game began? You know, were Slovenia, you know, uh, buoyed on by the home crowd? Did they did they start brightly? I have been desperately. Trying to, it's a long time ago, and I'm an old man. Mm. But I've been desperately trying to trying to do this for you, and I, I like you. I tried to find comprehensive highlights and couldn't. Yeah. So I was sort of digging out the you know the memory bank I, again, I, and I'm not just making this up. Funny enough, the Shevchenko goal sparked a memory, which was mm. um, it'd been quite a quiet start to the game. I think Slovenia had had a go. I think it was the Shevchenko goal was fairly predictable. I remember he, I was right behind that, and I remember he cut brilliant goal, oh, curled super. it in, left footed. And I remember sitting right behind it, a lovely view as a commentator, so you can see his number, you know, miles out of the place, so you know who scored and so on. And uh, just thinking, well, that's about right. I want to win this 2-3-0 now. And that's yeah. kind of what's meant to happen. So it was, Chimovic came on at half time, um, didn't have an instant impact or anything, but but started chasing him a bit. He's, you know, half-decent player, Chimovic, you know, not didn't have a great career, but but not bad. They got Zavich a bit more into the game and, uh, and, and that's what turned it. And Ukraine... Did that thing that they do, like the, mm. the, the, the aforementioned Kiev team did. They, to use the famous line about the '74 World Cup final, they forgot to win the game. You know, they yeah. they, they outplayed them for a bit, and then and then just sort of got they got outrun in the end almost. And and Slovenia needed a bit of luck and got it. But no, I do remember the one thing I clearly remember is this is what's meant to happen. Shevers just scored. It's one nil. That'll probably do it. And that's a shame because we thought we might get a story here. And yeah. little did we know what we're going to happen <laughs> the second half, which is yeah. the joy of it, isn't it? Totally, yeah. I mean, it's a great goal from Shevchenko, Jonathan. And one can, I, I, I really hope that in, in certainly in, in English football fans' minds that their memories and thoughts of Shevchenko are not blighted by that spell at Chelsea because he was a phenomenal footballer. Oh, yeah. I mean... Just an extraordinary, could do everything. Yeah, he was, he was like Van Basten without the injuries. Yeah, he scored brilliant goals. He scored tap ins. He's good in the air. He could hold the ball up. He could play wide. He could do everything. Um, and then you know he he never really recovered from that knee injury. He got you know, just before coming to Chelsea, and that sort of, I mean, he wasn't good at Chelsea. His goals record was still actually not that bad at Chelsea. Wasn't but, terrible, wasn't terrible. Uh, but he obviously, I mean, he unbalanced that team as well. They just they just didn't need him. I mean, him yeah. and Drogba together. It, you know, with with Mourinho as coach, it made made very little sense. But I mean, this goal was just you know, it takes the back heel from uh, Kandorf, and then it, it's not even one of those curlers that that sort of goes somewhere in the middle of the goal. It's it's right in the corner. He sets out beyond the post. It comes back. 
it's just yeah, really, really classy goal. But then Zakovic's goal is very classy as well. Yeah. The sort of forgotten goal in the game that he mm. turns onto a throw in and, and it leaves two Ukrainians with that turn and then drills it low past the keeper. Yeah. And that was quite nice, Dave, I'm sure, for, for you commentating because the two of the standout players have scored for their both sides, you know, won all the games nicely poor. Zajovic scores. And it must have been liftoff in the stadium when that happened. Yeah, when he equalised it was. It was just, the only, as, as, as the, I keep saying, the only point is it's not the most memorable. I mean, the, no, you know, that's it. Star <laughs> players, as Jonathan says, it's very, very sharp finish, like bottom corner, isn't it? Um, and yeah, of course it was liftoff. And, and, that, and that's when you just sense that sort of, you know, unease in that Ukrainian side. Just just two other points about the Ukrainians. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm very aware of that, you know, obviously Jonathan's on this call and I don't, and I don't want to start generalising um, because I think people do very lazily and I'm trying, I'm certainly not doing that. But I remember I worked with another Dutch commentator um, back in the day who who played, you know, and he knew what he was on about. And he used to swear at the TV about Ukrainians because he'd always found them so easy to play against, he said. You know, he played back in the day when when they were the, you know, the, the Soviets, if you like. And he would he would sit there sometimes with it later on than this game, but with a Shakhtar team saying, go, you watch, you watch, you know, they'll fuck up, you watch, they'll make a mess of it. They're 2-0 up, but they'll lose 3-2. You watch, they're too easy to play against one-on-one. They always do this, they fold. <laughs> And he'd said before that game to me, you watch, they'll be in a good position and they'll fold. They'll do it. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh my God, well, everything he said is coming true. So that was one thing. And, and, and I know that's a really poor generalisation. And I know that Shevchenko went on to great success with Milan, but I kind of at the same time, when you sit and witness it, I sort of know what he means. There is a oh, mental fragility is too easy a thing to throw around, isn't it? And and, uh, and has sort of multiple meanings. But But there's just a sort of, did it matter as much in the last 10 minutes? I mean, yes, it probably did, but you do sometimes get that sense that the momentum goes against them a bit too easily. And, and I think that happened that night. The other thing I was going to ask Jonathan, um, again, it's long been a contention, Rebrov Shevchenko, um, which of course was no longer happening at club level at this point, but was internationally. I always thought that Milan missed a trick and they should have signed them both. And I, I can't, I was racking my brains this morning can I think of an example of two players who made more of each other? I'm sure there are examples of people who will be screaming at, at, at this, you know, at this and saying, of course, oh, of course, of course. but it's always felt like such a waste that no one signed them both. You know, you've it, just it, given Jonathan a green light to mention two former Strat Sunderland. <laughs> oh, God, I don't, I, I, look, I don't want to say Gayton Gavidini. I don't even want to say Quinn oh. and Phillips. <laughs> as soon as you said that, oh, here we go. The oh, second no, but you're right. You're, you're right. It, and it is an odd thing. Why Why do clubs not buy pairings? Yeah. Centre-back yeah, pairings, centre-forward pairings. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you'd, then you'd have a, Milan would have had a problem that they had in Zaggy. Sure, sure, yeah. And, uh, you know, you clearly can't play all three of them. But, but yeah, it, it's... You, you're right. They they were so good together because there was there's a weird sense I think in '98 '9 Rebel was always almost a senior partner. Yeah, I agree. Shevchenko sort of took behind him, uh, and obviously Shevchenko, yeah, it becomes apparent he's a he's a much better player. But yeah, they, they were a great thing. And the other thing, the thing the thing that occurs to me when you're talking about the the mental fragility, the other thing Ukraine have always had is keepers who have an error in them. Yes. Yeah. So Piatov now, how many games has Piatov cost uh, Shakhtar and, and Ukraine? And Shovkovsky, this, you know, the, the error against Russia is the famous one when yeah. he chucks it over his own line. But, you know, what's he, he's under no pressure. 
so the, the, the Chinvich goal, I mean, now we've described the shot, but we should probably describe why it was a reasonable thing for you to be looking down at your notes, which is there's a ball in the corner. I suspect that at that point, Slovenia were probably thinking, yeah, 1-1 draw. This is great. We're still in it going into the second leg. So there's a ball in the corner. Nobody's chasing it. Nobody's closing it down. <laughs> Shavkovsky's come out of his goal. He can do what he wants with it. He's got all mm. the time in the world. Dribble back into his own box. Go back in his own box, kick it into touch, smack it down the line. But what he chooses to do is to miskick it to Achimovic and then slip slightly as he turns to get back. And so Achimovic, and the thing with the Achimovic shot is, is a perfectly good shot. It's, it's a very good shot. But Shevkovsky somehow makes it look like a slightly crap shot yeah. by sort of scrambling after it. It's always just too far ahead of him. <laughs> so it looks like this sort of piss take shot of just enough weight and he can't get there. And it's sort of like, just how can Ukraine not produce a keeper? Like, why haven't they done it? Like, this just makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, Piatov's won 99 caps. His next caps is 100th. And I watched him the other night and thought, wow, that's some career, man. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Credit, that's making the best of what you've got. I mean, got, he, he does make good saves. Ashovkovsky made good saves. But I'd just rather have somebody solid who didn't, <laughs> didn't do that with seven minutes to go in a playoff. But there are people that, no, I agree with you, Jonathan. And there are people who know far more about this stuff than me and you. But it, there, it is that. It, always, it does almost come from the same root, doesn't it? That sort of shooting yourself in the foot, that yeah. blowing it just when it matters and, and never truer than that, as I've already mentioned, that Kiev team um, from 3-1 should have been seven kind of thing. You know, it's just, it's almost, as I said, it's almost inbuilt and, and, and either from a general attitude that allows you to let the game slip or individual mistakes. And yeah. there's something, and even, but there's people far more qualified than me to explain it. Even in the second leg, if we, so Slovenia win this game too, yeah. it goes to the second leg in, in, in Kiev, Covering of snow. Um, I have no idea. Using a white ball. Yeah, I, was to, I have on, no idea how you managed on. to do that commentary because yeah. watching the highlights this morning, you, you didn't watch I the had, commentary. <laughs> I, well, no, I did have a commentary on, and, and I, it was extraordinary. Because uh, you couldn't see anything. <laughs> you just yeah, just players running about. The ball could have been absolutely anywhere, and they get yeah. The, certainly from. From, from was it was it Russell Osman with you again? It was. Yeah. Well, so, you, so from the tone of your conversation, then, and Jerry Armstrong as well. Well, he was. Was Jerry doing the second? I think Russell. I, that's what I found on YouTube. And maybe oh, maybe. Yes, was, you're right. You're right. It is Jerry Armstrong. Maybe, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so, so the conversation you have with Jerry Armstrong, it's. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> well, no, you, you're, you're sort of you're making very clear that you feel Slovenia are on top, and then suddenly you try and get gifted a penalty. Oh yeah, what and a gift. Whether it's a gift from a referee or whether it's a gift from um, uh, Milinovic, I mean, again, I have no idea what's going on in that box because one team's wearing white shirts, the ball's white and the pitch is white. It's it's some, some green sleeves and some yellow shirts and a, a whole load of mess. So Shevchenko goes down. Katanis is very exercised by the award of the penalty. Uh, you suggest that the penalty should have been given in the first half, but I haven't been able to find footage of that, but I, I, I trust your judgment. Uh, and so suddenly... Halfway through the second half, they get given a penalty. Revov scores it, and they're ahead on away goals in a tie in which they have no right to be ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and with the snowy pitch and all that stuff, Dave, you think to yourself, just stick the ball into the corners. I mean, the opposition will never know because they won't know where it's gone. It's you know, it's it's a fairly straightforward task. And but ten minutes after the goal, they they obviously get their equaliser from from Pavlin and. I, I, 
you and I think you and uh, Jerry Armstrong are having a sort of a, oh he definitely got the touch there and definitely meant it and so on and I thought blimey I, I'm glad you told me that because I <laughs> no, really you called that so quickly I, yeah, I had I was no impressed. idea what was going on I was so I, I'd assumed you must have been in the stadium and must no, have been no. you if yeah. you've called that off a telly I think that's cool. astonishing oh well bless you but I, I think <laughs> the thing I do remember about that night um, again it fades into the distance doesn't it but um I've measured out my life in football matches. You know, it's, it's like they, they just they, they they only stop blurring when you start having conversations about them. But you mentioned the whiteness and the white ball. I can remember almost uniquely uh, almost calling the player to score and then waiting for the net to make a movement because I couldn't really see what was going on in between. If that makes sense, <laughs> I, I can remember that penalty. I remember sort of seeing him like run up obviously and, and, and take it and then almost not see it travel if that makes sense and then see the end result which is a I mean it's fine because you just call the goal but it, it's it was an odd mental process to, yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna but, trust but, but, but the equaliser is much harder must be much harder than the penalty because it's a Zakovic free kick which he really messes up and that's right yeah yeah you're quite quite rightly quite angry with him for just scuffing it into yeah, the wall I'm lately cheering Slavino yeah <laughs> and then it comes out to Mladen Madonia who I think had never scored for I think he only ever scored one goal for Slovenia, which was then the playoff to get to the to the World Cup. And he strikes him outside the box and it just goes through a crowd of players. And the odd thing is there is a Slovenia player sort of beyond the pack. I think it's Novak, who's miles offside. And the 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 sort of my assumption watching it, I think the natural assumption of the eye is it must be him who's touched it and therefore it must be ruled out. But you, somehow you've picked out from that crowd that Pavlin has sort of angled his foot. Or yeah. you claim you claim he's angled his foot. Jerry Armstrong's much less certain. <laughs> and given you can't see, who cares? But anyway, it goes in and suddenly Slovenia are 13 minutes from qualifying. Yeah, I think I got lucky. And I think I'd, <laughs> I think I'd learned by that point that Jerry quite often got things wrong. So I, I wouldn't necessarily be overruled by, um, by what he said to me. Um, Stuart Robson had overruled me. I'd have been worried, I think. Not, not against Jerry, but you know, there's, uh, there's different ways of doing it. And I think he, he always had his own way. Yeah, it's quite a glorious thing trying to talk your summariser into believing that it was his goal. <laughs> like, go on, Jerry. No, he did mean it, you know. Um, but they were there and they, they made Euro 2000, uh, the first time that Slovenia had reached a major tournament. Oh, amazing. Which is no mean feat, of course. And, I mean, they were involved in a great uh, 3-3 draw with Yugoslavia, obviously, from their point of view, you know, with 3-0 up and... And, and and then drew the game. It was it was a bit of a shame. Um, and they would of course qualify for World Cup two thousand and two, Jonathan. And as you said at, uh, towards the start of this um, podcast, that that was when the, the wheels kind of came off uh, this Slovenia sort of mini golden era of, of of their football. Yeah. So they lose the, the first game. They lose to Spain, and um, and it, there had been flare ups all the way through. Oh, from, yeah. from, from, from all the time Katanz has been in charge, he and Zakovic have not quite been seeing eye to eye. But as I say, I think for a time that was quite a productive tension. And then he takes Zakovic off and um, Zakovic, you know, apparently to those who can lip read in Slovenian, it's very clear that he calls him uh, a Lubyanshin, uh, and it's a, it's a word beginning with P, which is the equivalent of the English word beginning with C. And... Uh, Katanet obviously isn't overly uh, happy with that. And then Zakovic says, yeah, you only take off Asterians, you're just putting on more Lubyanshin players, and it all spirals out of control. And it's it's very Roy Keane, Mick McCarthy. Um, well, it, and it, it sort of rumbles on until eventually Zakovic is sent home. Yeah, it was... It was <laughs> to me, it was even more spicy than Keane and 
and Mick McCarthy. I thought to myself, how it's more public. Really... Yeah, I mean, just to just to sort of ram this point home to people, I've I've um, got the quote there, Jonathan, which. Uh, you know, you you, uh, you you passed to me when when Zyvich said about this. If he thinks I'm not in form, he should tell me, and I'd be happy to sit on the bench. I told him that. But when I'm on the field, he shouldn't underestimate me. The first time I miss one or two passes, he shouldn't, and I won't mince my words, say he will fuck my mother because he didn't fuck my mother, and he won't fuck my mother if he wants to. <laughs> if he wants to, he can start talking to me. I'm apologising in public to return the ball to his court. Now that is just to show everybody <laughs> the tension and the kind of uh, explosive nature. Of this relationship, well, and there was, there was all this stuff about um, how he could, yeah, you know, he could buy him, he could buy his family, yeah. he could buy. Is it is a place called Shmanagora, like where where um, mm-hmm. uh, Katana's like to go go training? Um, and Zakovic sort of, yeah, showing off he's much richer than Katana's because he yeah played a later stage of football and more money was there. So yeah, there was, it, yeah, he was. I don't know if he's more spicy than than Keen McCarthy, but it was certainly more okay. public because it was all done through interviews on telly. It wasn't sort of done in the canteen or anything. I see. Well, it, it sort of closed a chapter on on Slovenian football, whereas of course Dave opened a chapter. One could argue on <laughs> Slovenian uh, football. And Dave, it's been a real pleasure talking to you about this game. Thanks for coming on the pod. I, I will tell you the story one day, but I'd like to congratulate you, Marcus, on one of the most the best examples of unconvincing swearing that I've ever ever come across. <laughs> <laughs> Since a, a local radio interview I once did with Adrian Heath in his time at Burnley, where he said, "Don't worry, I'm not going to sw- swear," and then his opening line was. You send them over the fucking white line and then you don't know. <laughs> and I was like, he's swearing. That is swearing. You know what word it is. You've barely taken a syllable out. But anyway, it's an absolute pleasure to, to talk to you both. And um, you've been very kind as well about various various commentary things that I'm sure were down to luck rather than judgment. I really am. And I, I very much appreciate you ending with a story about a Sunderland's assistant coach. I did, I did. I did think, Jonathan, I did know that. <laughs> uh-huh. I thought I'd chuck it in. But no, yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you both. Super. Well, for more stories like that, do check out theblizzard.co.uk. But thanks again, Dave, and uh, thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back next week with another great game from the history of football. See you then. <laughs>